0: Digitally, um, how many of you still bring your actual hard copy Bible to church? Do I have? Let me let me just. How many still have? Oh, a few of us. That's good. Now, the rest of you that aren't quite as spiritual, no, no, I'm just teasing. It is amazing what you can get on on your on your phone. I don't know how many versions of Scripture, and if you don't have the U version. Uh, you should go and, and get that app. It's just an amazing way to um, read scripture when you're riding the train or the bus or, uh, you know, it's right there and you can make yourself notes and it's a great app. And um, it's a free app. Um, so uh, check it out. It's called Version, and uh, it'll be, I don't, there's many others I know, but that's the one that I have and it's great. Well, we're in our series on hearing God. Everybody got notes? Anybody need notes? Some got notes? You don't? Okay, good. Uh, and some of you, if, if you're missing some of the notes, just let us know, and we'll uh, ensure that you get, um, you know, a copy of them. This is, you know, lesson number five, session five, and next week is our final one in the series. How many are learning something? Anybody? You're learning something. Eight of us. Um, and uh, it's great. I know I'm, I'm learning immensely. And different ones have shared with me some things that, that God has spoken to them about. And uh, and that's so encouraging. And so we, we trust that God will continue to speak to us and teach us. As today we're talking about listening for God's guidance. Last week we, we spoke about um, how many different ways that God speaks. And so today I want us to, to look at and learn one key application for hearing God's voice and how to find God's specific will and direction for our life how to find his specific will and direction for our life and so uh, first of all as you're following along your notes it'll be on the screen as well God gives specific direction to his people there are many examples in scripture about this God does want to address the needs and issues in our lives. And he wants to give us direction. How many need direction? I need direction. We all need direction. And God wants to give us direction. Psalm 32 verse 8 says, The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Isn't that great? I will advise you and watch over you. He wants to give us direction. In the New Testament, we find that Jesus really modeled this pattern for us. Jesus said, and there's numerous occasions, there's a couple of verses we'll look at in a second, but Jesus said he only did what he saw or heard the Father doing. John 5:30, "By myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself." but him who sent me. John five nineteen. I tell you the truth. The son, referring to himself, can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. So this way of living did not begin with Jesus. It has always been God's idea. Always his idea. And always his ideal for his servants. At the moment of creation, we understand and see that God was conversing and giving direction to Adam and Eve. He told them to be fruitful. He told them to increase in number. He told them to fill the earth and subdue it, to rule over the fish, the birds, and the animals. So he told them, be fruitful, fill the earth, and rule over the animals. God instructed Noah to build an ark to escape the impending judgment. And he gave Noah detailed instructions on how to build it. Step-by-step plans. God spoke to and called Abraham to leave his country and go to a land that he would show him. And that he had given to him. The conversation with Abraham continued for the remainder of his life. It is amazing when you read these accounts and you think, I wonder if God is speaking to me and I'm just not listening. I'm I'm just not hearing what he's saying. My Bible says that God is no respecter of people. And if he spoke to Abraham, he spoke to Noah, he spoke through Jesus, why will he not speak to you and I? Why would he not show us the direction and things for our life? Of course he wants to. The place where Moses and Joshua went to hear God is called the Tent of Meeting. And they went there to hear God. That had to be an amazing experience. Or what about when Moses, prior to that, Moses approached the mountain and God spoke to him from the mountain and said, Moses could come up the mountain, but the people weren't allowed to touch the mountain. Had to be been an amazing experience. Or Moses, when the bush was burning and God spoke to him and gave him direction and talked with him. This tent of meeting was not the tabernacle which was later set up for worship of the Lord, and offering sacrifices. It was simply a place for being with God. Not only could the leaders go and inquire of the Lord, so could the people. It wasn't just the hierarchy. Exodus 33, 7 says, Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. Anybody could go and inquire. At one point, God took Moses up on the mountain where he showed Moses a heavenly vision of what the tabernacle was to look like in minute, minute detail. And he warned Moses to make the earthly tabernacle according to the pattern he saw. Make it according to this pattern. Acts chapter 7, verse 44 says, Our forefathers had the tabernacle of the testimony with them in the desert. It had been made as God directed Moses according to the pattern he had seen. That had to have been some vision. I don't know, maybe Moses had photographic memory that as God showed it to him, he could then go and build it according to the pattern. But his mind was in tune with direction from the Lord. This has always been the best way to live. It's always been the best way to minister, to hear and see it in heaven and then copy it on earth. The Lord's Prayer is a prime example. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See it in heaven, copy it on earth. Now, you know that would be a great sermon for us to stop right there. See it in heaven, copy it on earth. What's the will of God in heaven? See it on earth. What's God desire in heaven? See it on earth. What's God saying in heaven? Speak it on earth. What's God doing in heaven? Do it on earth. But it requires us to spend some time to see and ask. The early church certainly lived like that. Some say, and I've heard it and you probably heard it too, some people will say, well, it doesn't matter where you're serving God. Or what you're doing to serve God. Or how you're serving God. All that matters is that you're serving God. But the scriptures reveal otherwise. The scriptures tell us something different. Now Philip. You know the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Philip was ministering in Samaria. Samaria. When an angel told him to go to the road that leads from Jerusalem to Gaza in the desert, and as a chariot approached, the Spirit instructed Philip to join the chariot in Acts chapter 8. There was an Ethiopian eunuch, he was a court official riding in the chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. But he didn't understand what Isaiah was getting at, so Philip explained it, and the eunuch was saved born again now Philip was having this successful ministry why would he leave a successful evangelistic campaign to go and reach just one people were getting saved he was having a great campaign why go to reach just one because God said leave that meeting and go here Leave that and go here. If it didn't matter where you're serving God or what you're doing to serve God or how you're serving him, then Paul should have been able to preach the gospel when and wherever he pleased. If that was the case, when Paul took a trip to Macedonia, if it didn't matter where you're serving or what you're doing or how you were serving God, then it shouldn't have mattered where Paul preached either. But, in Acts chapter 16, verse 6 says, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Having been kept by the Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed Mysia and went down to Troas, During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Twice the Holy Spirit told Paul and the team not to go to the places they felt that they should go to. And then at night he gets a vision, they go to Macedonia. Now, was it wrong to preach the gospel wherever they wanted to go? No, wasn't wrong. They could have gone there, and maybe, they, maybe many people would have come to faith in Christ. Maybe churches would have been established. Maybe they would have never gone to Macedonia. wasn't wrong. It's not wrong to serve God, how you feel, and where you feel, and whatever you're doing to serve Him. But it's interesting to note that here there was a Jesus forbidding them to go. The Holy Spirit saying, don't go there, but go here. In fact, God directed an entire church when they were fasting and praying. An entire church. Acts 13. While they, the church at Antioch, were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart from me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Friends, Isaiah prophesied that a day would come when people of God would be guided by his voice. Isaiah 30, verse 21. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. I have a a growing desire that that would be the way that I live my life, my wife and I live our lives. That would be the way that we do church where he says, this is the way, walk in it. Not, well, I think that's a good idea. I don't think maybe that's a good idea. Maybe all great ideas. Maybe things that God could even use. But is it what God is saying? Sometimes the direction you receive is direction you asked for. Other times the direction you receive is direction you weren't even looking for. And God just kind of blindsides you and you think he's leading you here and then you're, you're asking and praying and, and he switched your direction on you. Now let's, let's not get caught up on six steps, nine reasons, whatever, but I want to share with you six steps for receiving and obeying God's guidance. And I think that these are a starting point. They're not an end-all be-all, but there's some great points here First of all, if we want to receive and obey God's guidance, we have to be willing to submit to God's will. Whatever that is. Be willing to submit to God's will. In fact, we have to begin by completely submitting to His will, whether it's a yes or a no. Lord, whatever you say, I'm in. And we have to mean it. Whatever you say. I remember a long time ago there have been other instances now but this one is, is such burned into my my life and experience that I'll never forget it nearing the end of Bible College graduation when of course everybody's thinking about okay what are you going to do now when you graduate where are you going da, da, da. and uh, I had no idea other than Lord wherever you want me I'll go I was single. Of course, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, okay, where would be a a great place for... I was engaged, but where would be a great place to go and, you know, that my wife and I could, you know, have a few luxuries. How many like a few luxuries? Yeah, like food, you know, an income, whatever. And so... I had a meeting with the uh, district superintendent at the time, and, and so he asked me, So, Roy, what are your plans? I said, Well, I just I don't really have any personal plans other than I, I do sense and feel called into pastoral ministry, and uh, I'm just saying, Lord, wherever you want me to go. Well, he says, Just a minute. So he reached over, and he made a phone call to a pastor. I didn't know where this guy was. And uh, he, so he said to me, um, Roy said, this pastor wants to talk to you. He understands that you want to go in ministry, and so he wants to talk. Oh, so, okay. So I talked to him, and, and uh, he said, uh, first thing he said, when can you come? Now, I said, well, I'm graduating in a few days. I could come, I guess, after that. Where are you? Watson Lake, Yukon. <laughs> I had never been north of Williams Lake, BC, central province, whatever. But inside there was this excitement, and it, God directed one step after another. I thought, "Oh boy, 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 boy! What's Marilyn going to think of this?" Now she was the least of my worries. She's always been a little more spiritually attuned and so if you want any wisdom, guidance, Watson Lake Yukon. Went from that meeting and said, Lord, is this really where you want me to be? And I found later this pastor had been trying to leave that community for some time. We're just looking for a perspective whatever you want to call this individual. (laughs) And I headed out in my 1956 uh, Ford Fairlane. Should have been a Dodge, but it was a Ford. Lime green, chrome wheels, racing tires. and I'm heading to the Alaska Highway. Nothing but dust. There was a few times I said, Lord, is this really... Where you want us to go and start our married life? Because this was in May; we we're getting married in August. And every time, yes, yes, yes. And there was a whole bunch of circumstances. God just, and I'll share later how He confirms and how all it works. But the first thing we have to be willing is to submit to His will. Submit to God. Begin by completely submitting. If within we really do not want God's guidance for our lives, then no matter what we may say, we will position ourselves before God in such a way that his voice is going to be filtered out or we'll twist his voice to our own purpose. If we're not willing to obey whatever he says, we're going to maneuver and work it so that it fits what we think he's saying. And the fact that so few ask God for guidance... When they're not in trouble. Hey, we all ask when we're in trouble. But the fact that so few of us ask when we're not in trouble or needing to make a big decision is indicative that most people don't really want God to be in control of their life. We don't ask Him. Or when we're in trouble, we ask Him. When we need to make a decision, when we ask Him. But when things are going well and everything's kind of, you know, fitting into place, we don't ask. Until one day we feel a headache or we feel something and, oh God, it is not about asking God's will so that we can confirm what we want. It's asking his will so we can do what he wants. So when we do encounter difficulty and we go to God for guidance, people seldom receive it because they're just not wanting to hear it. Because in their hearts they didn't want his guidance in the first place; they just want to get out of trouble. In fact, there's a scripture in the Old Testament I should have looked it up, where where, where God even says, "We'll send them a little trouble, so they'll call on us." It's amazing how trouble makes us say, "Help!" <laughs> Amen. So we submit to God's will. Secondly. We receive a personalized word. We talked about that before, the rhema. But we receive this personalized word. We receive the what. This is the rhema word or message to you. And you ask the question, Is this what you want me to do? Whatever it is. God, is this the place you want me to go to school? Is this the job you want me to take? Is this the place you want me to live? Is is this the relationship you want me to have? Is this... What you want me to do. Many believe that open and closed doors are all that is needed to discern God's will. That is not true. To live your life, this is an open door, I'm going to go through it, that one's closed, I'm not going to go through it. To live your life that way is not biblical. It's not. Just because the door is open doesn't mean God wants you to go through it. Example, Paul and Silas in prison, and the doors spring wide open. Aha, we're free. And they choose to stay. Because the plan and the will of God was, even though the door was open, to minister to the jailer and his family. But only a rhema word could keep them from going through such an open door of opportunity. Just because the door's closed doesn't mean God doesn't want you to go through it. Sometimes he wants to break down the door and show his power and glory through it. The doors of Jericho were shut. But God brought the doors and the walls down with devastating power. Just because the walls were there didn't mean this wasn't the promised land. And the will of God. When the disciples saw the huge crowd, was hungry and tired, they urged the master, said, Send them home. Instead, he responds, You feed them. (laughs) You feed them. With what? Just because the door had closed didn't mean that God didn't intend to open it. I remember years ago, circumstances and everything it was against this church purchasing this land. We had no money. We had no approval from the powers that be that we could ever construct anything on this property. And God opened a door. Incredibly, and that's a story in itself. God incredibly opened the door. When we went to use one of the old buildings as an office... We started to use it, and then the powers that be came and said, you can't use it. You don't have the proper zoning. And said, we probably weren't going to get it. We got a consultant, da-da-da-da, we got the approval. Then you can't build a church on there because it's going to be an LRT land at some point in time. And God opened the door. And here we are. Initially, first, the building was only going to seat 300 people. It was going to be a building built to be portable so that if we had to move, we could move the whole building. (laughs) How are you going to move this building? It seats 940 people. But God opened the door. Just because the door is closed doesn't mean that you can't go through it. There's no door that the risen Christ cannot open if he chooses to open it. And he wants you to go through it. Doesn't matter what the difficulty is, doesn't matter what the hurdles are. If he chooses to open the door and to lead you through it, go for it. Go for it. When can we expect God's answer for guidance? Sometimes immediately. Often you may receive an answer or direction as soon as you stop to intentionally listen. You're praying and asking. And so you stop to listen. Now, there's a discipline. Stop to listen. Something our parents tried to teach us. You stop and listen. It's an experience that we've been having here for the last number of weeks here. And when the message is over, we stop to listen. God, what are you saying to me? What are you desiring to speak into my life? But in order to listen, we have to wait. Sometimes when people don't get an answer immediately, they panic and take matters into their own hands. Check out what happened in the Old Testament when Abraham did that. An ongoing conflict ever since. He didn't wait for God's answer. That's what Saul did when Samuel didn't show up immediately. When Samuel the prophet didn't show up, Saul decided, okay, I'm going to offer the sacrifice. You can expect an answer, too, when you remain in persevering prayer. God wants to silence ourselves and for us to wait on him. I think sometimes God is just trying to test our hearts, as he did with Saul. And other times, God may change the desires of our heart in those times of prayer. Have you ever had that? When you're praying and you really sense this is what God wants you to do. And while you're praying it, he changes the desires of your heart. Changes you or he may give you additional insight into the situation that you're praying about either directly or as we listen in prayer or through the circumstances that develop as we're waiting on him. It's interesting sometimes we as Christians think that everything's going to go real easy. life's going to be full of cherries and God's going to do all these things and I want to tell you that even discerning and walking through God's will as a church on this piece of land, had been an ongoing, and I to say ongoing, ongoing, ongoing experience. Whereas we were supposed to have 150 parking 175 parking spots for our use on the LRT land. Now you come here at 6.30 in the morning and tell me where there's 175 parking spots that we could use if we had a early morning conference. There isn't a part to be had. And so there's been an ongoing legal discussion ever since before the station was built, which has now cost the church at least $26,000 and counting. So when you see in the bulletin where we're 39000 whatever, and change behind, we'll talk about that a little later, some of that is because of our legal battle. Now, there's a promise of remuneration. I say a promise of remuneration. And um, we're getting close to some kind of a reconciliation. But I, I tell you, this has it's been an ongoing, okay, God, what's next? Okay, God, what's next? Okay, God, what's next? Okay, God, when is this over? so God is working on it, and it's going to be an exciting story when it's all over, but keep praying with us and keep praying for us. We do need wisdom. But God is giving additional insight into the situation even as we're praying. Sometimes when you're reading the Bible, he may grant you additional insight into his word or bring a passive scripture to mind that would enable you to act and pray more effectively. Or maybe he wants to impart to us a deep assurance of what his will is. And you probably heard had that happen. When you're reading the Bible, all of a sudden, bang, there's just his word just yeah. That's what God is saying to me. Now some people this hasn't really happened to me much because when how many of you are really sound sleepers? Any sound sleepers in the house? I'm a, I'm a fairly sound sleeper. And I can go to sleep, you know my wife, I can go to sleep very quickly, generally. Like that's what a pillow is for whatever now but some people they have during their sleep or immediately after they wake up they get this answer maybe in a dream as they're sleeping or as they wake up this kind of that's what god's saying now if you get dreams god gives you dreams you are blessed beyond measure he doesn't give nightmares he just gives dreams dreams now there's a certain category of person who gets dreams. The Bible says in the last days old men dream dreams. Now that's not just men, older people, maybe it's because of experience, I don't know, but everybody can get a dream. And some how many have God has spoken to you through a dream? Anybody? Oh, wow. It's awesome. God speaks to dreams. Sometimes just when you wake up, there's this illumination that comes about something you've been praying about. God can respond in four ways. He can say yes. He can say yes with some conditions and maybe a bit of a twist to it. He can say no, or he can say the one we all really like, wait. Wait. I wonder how much time we spend in our life waiting. Waiting in the dentist, waiting for the doctor, waiting, waiting, waiting in line, waiting at the cashier, waiting in the restaurant, waiting for your kid, waiting for your spouse, waiting, 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 waiting. Thirdly, God can, he can he'll confirm a personalized word. Now, when you get a confirmation, there's, there's some tests that you can use for identifying whether it's a confirmation or not, and here's just some of them. Number one, consider if the message or its outcome would violate any scriptural principle. Consider if the message you're getting or its outcome would violate any scriptural principle. This is of utmost importance. God will never, never, never violate his word. It cannot contradict the principles of God's written word. It must fall within the parameters that are outlined in scripture. So if you're receiving a word or an idea or a thought or whatever, and it's totally contrary to scripture then discard. For example, any voice that promises total exemption from suffering and failure is most certainly not God's voice. He cannot promise you and I total exemption from suffering and failure. Scripture says, all that live godly shall suffer Persecution. How many want to live godly? Welcome to the world of suffering. Jesus suffered. The apostles suffered. Paul, wrote a major part of the New Testament, suffered. Now with that, we're all encouraged. But the word of God does not come just to lead us out of trouble... Or to make life easy, though sometimes it does. Sometimes it does. It didn't work for Jesus. The Bible says it doesn't work for you and I, I either. It means that those who wish to hear the still small voice of God must spend a lot of time in the Word. Now, he said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. So whatever we're going through, he has not abandoned us. He's right there. He's right there to strengthen, to sustain, to lead, to guide. As he said, out of the valley of the shadow of death. Through the valley. We don't stay there. We understand his abiding presence and his power. Also, we need to reflect on the tone of the word or the message. Does it bear the distinguishable tone of God's voice or that of the enemy? For example, though God will point out sin to us, he does so with conviction, with love, with hope. Drawing the sinner to himself and to repentance. He does not do it with condemnation. If you're feeling condemnation, that's the enemy. I mean, Satan loves to point out our sin. I mean, well, that's true. He loves to point out our sin. But he does so, and he does it with condemnation, hoping to discourage us to a point where we simply give up, and we don't feel like it's worth continuing on. Or if the voice brings agitation versus peace, then it's coming from the enemy. When God's voice asks you and I to do something difficult, it brings with it this quiet confidence. I remember my first meeting at City Hall. I was scared. I was nervous. I knew nothing about... um, bylaws. I knew nothing about land use. I knew nothing about what's right, what isn't right. I had to go to City Hall so many times and say, I'm sorry. And it was amazing how forgiving they were. Oh, that's okay. Well, then I I learned a trick. It's always good to say you're sorry. Now, I, I... This is going to be on the internet, so let me make this confession. Sometimes my motive wasn't totally pure, but I knew if you said you're sorry, they would give you a break. (laughs) I was sorry, but I learned a lot in saying you're sorry, and you probably have learned a lot in saying you're sorry. If you haven't learned, maybe you're not saying sorry enough. Even when God's voice asks you to do something difficult, it brings this quiet confidence. And I had this quiet confidence, even though I was petrified and intimidated and, and uh, felt that way with, with city officials because they had the power and I didn't, and all those kind of things that go through your head. There was this quiet confidence. If it brings confusion and anxiety, it's from the evil one. Does it stroke your ego? then it's not from God. Such things have to be immediately rejected as the lies of the enemy. God is not about stroking our egos. You need to ask yourself if the word is recurring. Some of you, you sense God saying something to you and then it recurs and recurs and comes again. A recurring thought is often an indication of God speaking. Remember Samuel? God called Samuel three times and finally Eli said, Samuel, the next time you hear it, it's God calling you. So there's this recurring word that comes. And many just let those thoughts collapse. And then God looks for someone else to stand in the gap. I remember the story of um, uh, evangelist uh, Reinhard Bonnke. He told us at a meeting we were at where, that he had... Uh, God had asked him to do something. I forget even what it was in, in Africa and go to Africa whatever... And God, he told God, I can't do that, I can't do that. And God specifically told him, you don't go, then I'm going to find somebody else to go. And So he went. Amazing ministry on the continent of Africa. Now he's handed over to another, another guy and da da whatever. But God may look for somebody else. Fourthly, ask for confirmation. Ask for a sign in your Bible meditation. Now some people think, you ask God for a sign, that's a lack of faith. Listen, Gideon asked for additional confirmation. The Lord asked Gideon to lead Israel's army against the mighty Midianite army. Now this will encourage you. So Gideon, first God said to him, but you've got to send 22,000 soldiers home. What? 22,000 home? And then later he said, now you've got to send another 9,700 home and you're only left with 300. That left 300 soldiers to fight the enemy, the Midianites, who were multitudes. So Gideon asked for a sign. Wouldn't you? I mean, yeah. Gideon asked for a sign. When he returned with his offering of bread and meat, the angel of the Lord instructed Gideon to place them on a rock and pour out the broth. Then the angel of the Lord touched the offering with the tip of his staff and fire flared up from the rock consuming the bread and the meat. Now that might have been enough sign. Okay. I'm with, I got it, God. But then Gideon asked for another two-part sign. If there's dew just on the fleece and it's dry on the ground all around, okay. Then he asked for another. Then if it's, now if it's, the fleece is dry, but the ground all around is wet, okay, I'm going to take it as a word from you. And that's what happened. But then God says, okay, Gideon, I'm going to give you one more sign. God wasn't upset Gideon asked for a sign. God said, I'm going to give you another one. And so God says to Gideon, if you're afraid, go down to the camp with your servant Purah to eavesdrop on what they were saying. And then you're going to be encouraged to attack. And they went down, and the army down there was petrified by Gideon's army. So he was encouraged to attack. And of course, you know the story. You've read the story, and you know the outcome where they won. God gives them another sign. Ahaz, Isaiah 7, verse 10, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask the Lord your God for a sign. Get that? Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. And Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. Isaiah said, here now, you house of David, is it not enough to try the patience of men? Will you try the patience of my God also? In this case, God is angry with Ahaz who wouldn't take God up on his offer to receive a sign. God offered this. It wasn't a lack of faith to ask for a sign. Friends, the bigger the decision, the greater the need for confirmation. God didn't chastise Gideon for that. In fact, God offered Gideon additional confirmation Gideon hadn't even asked for. When wishing personal confirmation, simply ask God, do you want me or do you want us to do this? And then expect to receive such confirmation in your scripture, meditations and reading and prayer. When you ask for wisdom, expect to receive wisdom. When you ask him a question, expect to receive. Sometimes there's a sensation or a feeling as the spirit operates upon your spirit. We talked about that last week. Also, we can receive wise counsel and advice. Scripture instructs us to seek for advice or counsel. Proverbs twelve fifteen: The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. This can be a way that God confirms what we sense we're hearing from him. There's nothing wrong with asking you know, godly people you know and trust for advice and what they think when you're facing some decision or whatever. When we're receiving advice and good counsel, always remember that what we're asking for is rooted in that person's knowledge, biblical or other. It's rooted in their personal experience. It's rooted in their wisdom, either the spiritual gift they may have. So we're asking for advice from their experience. Probably talking to them. We hadn't asked them to necessarily pray about it. We just came asking for counsel. There are many topics on which we should receive advice or counsel from those that are qualified to give it. Marriage, parenting, financial, work-related, career-related, and on and on it can go. We don't have to know everything, but sometimes it's good to know somebody who knows what we don't know. And they've had some experience to draw on. There's many topics on which one should receive advice or counsel. Another thing, we can receive confirmation through others. What is meant by this is that another person receives something in listening prayer concerning a decision we need to make. Maybe you asked a friend or a spouse or or somebody to pray about a certain thing and and they receive something from the Lord. And so they they give you this confirmation. Now friends, I'm saying they give you confirmation. God is not... Rude that he won't talk to you and I. But there's others that can also give us confirmation of what God is saying to us. Wise counsel is generally more reliable than confirmation because it's based on something more concrete like knowledge, experience, and wisdom. While confirmation can be highly subjective. Important, but subjective. But once the limitations are understood, confirmation can be a very valuable means of testing. For this reason, those you choose to give who you choose to give you confirmation, they should love God. They should be wise. They should have a track record of hearing God accurately. And those are the ones you turn to. Don't simply look for someone who will tell you what you want to hear. I've known people they'll go from church to church, pastor to pastor to he- wait till they hear what they want to hear. Okay. That's what I want to do. That is not what we are asking about. If members of Christ's body are hearing the same thing, it's a good indication that God is speaking. Also, we can see if the circumstances point in the same direction. While praying and discerning God's guidance on a major issue, you can write down the pros and the cons and see what di- direction the circumstances seem to be pointed towards. Sometimes in doing that, you'll sense the spirit giving you additional assurance that he is in what you think he may be guiding you to do if you receive something you ask for even while you're still praying or shortly after that's wisdom so many times if we would just stop to listen we're asking and then to stop we may be surprised at how quickly at times God wants to hear our prayer also ask God to reveal the process so you have to what? Now, the process is the how. God told Gideon that he wanted him to deliver the Israelites to the Midianites. Once Gideon agreed that he would do it, God revealed the how. Once we've given our submission, God, whatever your will is, I'm in. Okay? Whatever it is, I'm there. Then, God revealed the how, the process, that he wanted Gideon to deliver Israel with 300 men. I am thinking that if God would have said, Gideon, I want you to take the Midianites out and I'm going to give you 300 men to do it. I'm wondering if you say, just a minute, you got the wrong turkey. But first he dealt with the submission to God's will and now God is revealing the process to him. We're going to see it happen. The how is as important as the what. And then we need to wait for divine timing to act, which is the when. When God tells you what he wants you to do and how he wants you to do it, you still wait for the right timing when you should do it. Now these words, the what, the how, and the when, are not to be used as excuses. But we need to understand that we need to hear God specifically on each one of these words. If you rush ahead prematurely, you may destroy everything God is working out at that time. Timing is critical. Most difficult thing for believers to do is to wait. Wait. Sometimes it's difficult for young couples, newly coupled, married couples to wait to get new stuff, to wait. And so they get themselves in over their head and, um, you know, you know the story. So hard to wait. Wait for divine timing. And lastly, obey the personalized word. Friends, you can't doubt in the dark what God has shown you in the light. Don't doubt in the dark what God has shown you in the light. James tells us if any of you lack wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. It'll be given to him. But what he asks, he must believe and not doubt. Because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double minded man, unstable in all he does. Friends, we have to act on our rhema. We have to move in faith. We have to obey. When God says something, we got to do it. Doesn't matter if the door's open or the door's closed. When God says move, we move. When God says it's time to make that decision, when God says it's time, then do it. When God wants you to go somewhere and see somebody, go do it. God wants you to call somebody, go do it. God wants you to shut your mouth, do it. God wants you to spend some time in prayer because he's got something he wants to show you, then do it. Submit to God. Those are probably the the bookends of this whole thing. Submit totally to God and obey. Submit totally and obey. God has so much... For us. So much. So much for us. Where is it that God is wanting you to submit today? A couple of the first questions that you want to answer, and we're going to give you just a couple of minutes. I know we've been trying to go a little longer, a little longer, a little longer, but this sends you just going to be a few minutes. And notice the questions here. One is sort of um, different than the other, but first one is, has God ever given you some type of direction before? Explain. And there in your notes, has God ever given you something, some type of direction Explain. The second question Have you ever received direction in response to a specific question you ask God for? Direction in response to a specific question you ask God for. Father, I just pray that in these few moments, your Holy Spirit will bring to our remembrance that we might be encouraged to continue to obey to listen seek confirmation through your word and prayer, scripture wise counsel trusted friends circumstances situations, however that goes and that we might obey unreservedly the word that you've given us and the direction you've given us. So Lord, help us as we just take a few moments to remember where you've spoken to us and how you've shown us direction that we might be encouraged in Jesus' name. So take a couple minutes and answer those two questions and And while you're writing, I just want to be praying for you that the Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance. Now, if there's nothing you can totally remember or sense, whatever, then that's okay. Don't be down about it. This is the right place to be, if that's the case. If that's the situation where you're at, where you can't totally remember anything, whatever, to answer those questions, that's okay. Then maybe God wants to tell you specifically, now on how he wants to lead you, but let's be open to what he says, and and I'll be praying for you as you just write and allow God to speak to you in these few moments. Mm -hmm. So how many were able to remember something that um, where God had given you some direction before? Awesome. Next question I think is probably best done at home because it's a little longer, and then you can check the homework out as well, but where you ask God to begin to give you direction for one of the following areas in your life. Maybe it's the assurance of salvation or your walk with God, or maybe it's, your kids' extracurricular involvement. What should or shouldn't they? How much should they be involved in? Maybe spiritual growth of your kids. Things to pray for, actions to take as parents. What to do on your time off? What about your finances? Fasting, exercise, and eating. Healing, evangelism, devotional life. Your ministry calling and gift deployment. Development. Ministry involvement. Marriage. Other relationships, family, work, neighbors, scheduling, amount being done, or strategies for greater efficiency and effectiveness. You know God's interested in every area of your life. Business, career, work. For the region, our country, our world. Maybe some scripture questions where you want to understand something from the word. And then ask God to give you confirmation about that. And then maybe share briefly with somebody what you got and have them pray with you over what God is showing you. Begin. Be, let's begin to learn to ask God about everything. Just like you would ask your friend or your spouse or your parents or your siblings or whatever. Ask him. He wants to talk to us. He wants to talk to us. wants to share with us about our life. We're going to receive our morning tithes and offerings. And... Um, I know we do scripture and declaration. I'm going to dispense with that this morning. Um, But after the offering, uh, our tithes and offerings, I want to.